So today we're going to continue to look at, at this concept I brought up last week of thorns. We're going to continue on in this series. In fact, we've got two more weeks after this. But last week we looked at thorns in our lives and how they keep us from producing fruit. And not just the fruit of, you know, Jesus said, he said, go make disciples of all nations. Not just that kind of fruit, but we looked at the fruit of the Spirit, the fruit of the, that's inside of us, that when we put our faith in Jesus, that we, we get the, this fruit from the Spirit. It's, we read about this in Galatians 5, 23 through 23, and I'm going to list this again. These are just, these are important things to remember, so that's why I say it all the time, but love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, those, those fruits, that it keeps us from that. That when we put our, our, those thorns of our lives that need to be removed, that once we put our trust in Jesus, we put our faith in Jesus, and remember when I talked about rest, that we get this rest, and that rest was re- he refreshes us. That we have to do some with those thorns. Sometimes gently remove them. Sometimes we have to just, they're in, tied and entwined around us, and we just got to cut off, got to cut that out of our lives. But then sometimes it has such a chokehold on us that, well, we need to ourselves be removed from those thorns, be out of, get out of that. And once we do that, we begin to mature and we begin to produce fruit. And then I'm going to ask you this question. Has there ever been, been in a situation where you're just, you know that it's wrong? Like you're in a crowd, you're in, let's just say a mob. You're in a mob and you just know that, that this just isn't right, but you don't want to say anything because you don't want to be singled out because you, you don't want that mob to turn around and, and turn on you. So a couple weeks ago, a couple Saturdays ago, um, I was in one of those mobs. Like I, I went to that Morgan Wallen concert and I, I just knew that was wrong. Like, just to, just to be part of that, you know, that's just bad music. Like, it's just bad music. Like, and just becoming part of that mob. Now, I, I, yes, I joined the mob. I didn't jump around and get all crazy, but I stood up and just kind of participated. You know, and I didn't stand up and protest when, you know, a singer comes out and he's given the whole entire audience the middle finger for some reason. I don't know why. And he starts swearing and... Some of our country music, all they want to sing about is drinking whiskey. Like, I don't, I don't, I don't know. Like I said, it's just awful music. So I, I'm sorry if you like country music and you like that. But there I was, right there in the middle of that mob. So I, it's just, you know, it's easy to get caught up in that. Now, before I begin today, I, I, I want to kind of just kind of give some history of kind of where we're at in this part of the passage I'm going to talk about today. So we give you a rundown of kind of what's going on. So what we see is that Jesus has been betrayed by one of his friends, that one of the people he spent the last several years with, pouring into him. He's been arrested, he's been hauled away, and he's brought in front of the Sanhedrin and, and all the high, pri- the high priests and all of these other leaders of, of the day as far as the Jewish religion comes. And so he's asked a lot of questions, and, and finally the high priest asks this question. He goes, are you the Messiah, the Son of the Blessed One? And Jesus responds. This is what he responds. He goes, I am. He says, and you will see the Son of Man sitting at the right hand of the Mighty One and coming on the clouds of heaven. To which this the high priest is just like, he can't believe what he's heard. As a sign of just he's heard blasphemy. He rips his clothes. 
And, and the mob, and he asked, him, he asked the mob of people there, he goes, what should we do with this? What do you think? And the mob says, you know what? This guy, Jesus, he's worthy of death. So then the mob, it gets worse for him. The mob starts, they blindfold Jesus. They start spitting on him. They start punching him. And then if that's not enough too, then the guards take him away and they also beat him. And then remember the story of Peter? Peter's one of his closest friends. Peter is watching this too, as kind of in the mob. He's standing there with it, or he's, he's around close enough to kind of see it probably. Peter denies that he even knows him doesn't want anything to do with this. All of this was taking place at night, and then in the morning it gets even worse for Jesus. So the mob takes him in front of Pilate, who Pilate is, he's the Roman governor of Judea. So he's like the head honcho. He's the guy in charge. So Pilate asks Jesus this question. He goes, are you the king of the Jews? And Jesus responds with, he doesn't really answer the question, but he answers the question. He goes, you have said so. So he's kind of like, well, that's what you say, so I guess yeah, you, you tell me if I am. Now this crowd is, is pretty stirred up, and people are stirring up the crowd. The chief priests are accusing Jesus of all of these things, and, and Pilate does. He asks Jesus, like, are you going to answer what these guys are asking these questions about? Jesus remains silent, doesn't say a word. And the mob is growing, it's growing, and it's getting more fired up and more just agitated. And now, during this time, there's a festival, so Pilate's able to release one of the, the prisoners. And so there's some other prisoners there. And so, yes, well, who do you want me to release? Well, the mob says, I want you to release Barabbas. Who, Barabbas is a murderer. Barabbas has killed people. But yet they want to release him and, and, and persecute Jesus. So Pilate releases Barabbas, and then he asks, well, what do you want me to do with this king of the Jews? This frenzied crowd just screams and says, crucify him. And Pilate's, like, Pilate's that person in the mob going, I don't think this is right. So he says, he hasn't committed anything to deserve to be crucified. The crowd just screams louder. He says, crucify him. So Pilate has no choice. So he sends Jesus to be crucified. And that day, the people are flogged. The prisoners are flogged, so they're flogged. Jesus is flogged to the point of almost death, and then they stop. And then he's handed over to be crucified. And that's where we're going to pick up the story, which brings us to this next idea of thorns. This is out of Mark 15, verse 16 through 20. The soldiers led Jesus away into the palace, that is the praetorium, and called together the whole company of soldiers. They put a purple robe on him, then twisted together a crown of thorns and set it on him. And they began to call out to him, Hail, King of the Jews. Again and again, they struck him on the head with a staff and spit on him. Falling on their knees, they paid homage to him. And when they had mocked him, they took off the purple robe and put on his own, his own clothes on him. Then they led him out to crucify him. So, like always, I, ask, I always ask questions. Because that's just what I do. I ask questions. So I'm going to ask questions that are more for all of us, not just individual, us just each individually. You know, they could be individually, but what I'm, I'm talking about is just all of us in here, but all of us just on this entire planet, just in the world, kind of with that mindset of have we deserted the king? And we, have we crowned him with the crown of thorns? Crown of thorns like this. 
and place this tattered purple robe on him. And maybe are we mocking and beating him? This king, this king being Jesus. I know I have. I, I've done it. Last summer, actually. I'm guilty of something like this. I spent over a week with somebody. I spent over a week with somebody and some other people, and I never once told him that I was a pastor of this church. He thought I was a business owner and a pharmacy owner, which I am. And, and so I just let him continue to think that. Because I wasn't sure what his response would be. And would he... Would he treat me differently if he knew? I didn't know. So that's why I said, why didn't I tell him? Because maybe I was ashamed. Maybe I was afraid because he'd, he'd look at me differently then and treat me differently, maybe judge me differently. Now, I've got some reasons, but wasn't I kind of like the mob just standing there or yelling, crucify him even? Or even one of the soldiers that was part of this group that flogged him, that beat him, that mocked him. Afraid to go against the popular opinion of the, the people I was with, that I was around. Because I was, I, was I was part of it. Now these mobs that demanded Jesus to be crucified, I'm, I don't think they're very small. Now a company of soldiers... It is about 600 people. And they estimate there's probably 200 and 600 soldiers there. So that's not a small crowd. That's one that you, I think it would be hard to go against that crowd. It would be hard to stand up and go, uh, excuse me. I don't think that's right. To not crown Jesus with that, these thorns. To beat him. To mock him. So what part of the mob are we? What part of the mob are we? Just... Or even at you. Are we watching? The story I just told you, like I was watching. Just part of the crowd. Afraid to speak up. Just going through my time there, my life, trying to just not really stir the pot. Not stir up the crowd. And I bet that there are several people in that mob with Jesus, or maybe even soldiers there, that they didn't want to participate or they just something in them, they knew this, just, this wasn't right. But aren't they guilty by, by being present? Now, we have laws or we have things in this world that's guilty by association. Laws like aiding and abetting. There's, there's a doctrine on the book, it's called joint enterprise, that we can be found guilty for a crime. We can be found guilty for a crime for just for being present, for being present, doing nothing. Nothing to stop it. Even if we didn't actually commit the crime. Peter. Peter was present. Peter was there. Just going along. Denied never even knowing Jesus. Because I think he was afraid of being guilty by association. So are we just watching from the sidelines? In those situations, denying that we even know Jesus. We're asked, saying, oh, just kind of being quiet. Because isn't there's still an attack on God, isn't there? There's still an attack on Jesus. I don't think the enemy stopped. I think he's still attacking. 
Now I wonder, this is something I wonder. Do you think the people in the mob, maybe even those soldiers, because you know Jesus healed a lot of people. Do you think maybe some of those people in the mob might have been healed? Someone that Jesus healed? Odds are there probably was. Now, just like us, Jesus has done a lot for lots of us in this room as we just sit back and watch sometimes. Just let the mob take over. I want to give you a verse in Revelation. Some of you guys are going to be familiar with this or know about this. Revelation 3, 15 through 16. I know your deeds, that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish you were either one or the other. So because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. If we just sit back, we just become part of that mob. Isn't that kind of being lukewarm? Not standing up, not standing up, even if you want one side or the other, like you're not standing up against Jesus and you're not standing up for Jesus. Like me just sitting back, not telling this guy that I spent a week with who I stand for. I was lukewarm. Kind of like I said, I think sometimes we can be lukewarm. We're just watching. Not sharing with people who the true king is. Not sharing who Jesus is in my life. Now, if Jesus was that important in my life, why am I stuck in the thorns? Stuck in those thorns that I talked about last week and I let the mob, that mob of the thorns, thorns the mob of the thorns of choke me out. Does anybody else relate to that? But you don't want to go against the mob. So instead you watch. You're just watching. You're just standing there with the mob. Now other parts of the mob, they're not watching. They're participating. They're actively doing. They're actually taking this crown of thorns and they're putting it on Jesus' head. So are we crowning Jesus with thorns? Because it's easy, isn't it, to get caught up in those mobs, to get caught up in whatever that is, and we're no longer just on the sidelines watching. We're right there in the front row. We're twisting together this crown of thorns, and we're taking that, and we're placing it on the, th- thor- on the head of Jesus. This crown of thorns that is, it was meant to mock Jesus, to laugh at him, to tease him, to scorn him. And when the soldiers took this crown of thorns, and they put it on the head of Jesus, and they, this purple robe that they talk about, purple, if you don't know, was, the, was a symbol of, of wealth, of, of, you know, you were an elevated position in society, because you couldn't afford a purple robe. So I'm kind of thinking that this purple robe was probably just a hand-me-down. It was tattered and torn, because and, the soldiers couldn't afford an expensive robe like that. But when they put this thorn and this robe on Jesus, it was to mock him. And it was actually to compare him to the emperor of Rome. Especially when they said, Hail, King of the Jews. They're mocking Jesus. Because what they would say if the emperor was present was, Hail, Caesar the emperor. But Caesar, he didn't have tattered clothes, he had royal clothes. And he had a gold crown, or he had a, a crown of fresh, 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 not thorns, but, but, 
laurel is what they say, to a crown that was represented that I'm in charge. But here is Jesus just being mocked. And then knowing that he was going to be crucified. This mob of soldiers, I think they were missing who they, that they were in the presence of the true king. They were present in the, of the Messiah, of the Son of God. It's like I think we miss at times too that we're, we're in the presence of our king. We're in the presence of Jesus. And we just get caught up in the mob. Like the Roman soldiers saying, here is your king. Here is your king, this flogged king, almost to the point of death. This king that is bleeding, that's dressed in rags, purple rags, this crown of thorns, spitting on him, beating him. Here is your king. Because we join those mobs sometimes too. We, we join them. Like you might not think so, but if you've ever been to a sporting event, you know I've coached a lot of basketball games, and I'm guilty of this too. But those mobs, why does nobody want to referee anymore, even coach anymore? Because the mobs, or the parents of the fans, they beat those poor referees and coaches to death. They place this crown of thorns on them. They mock them. They abuse them. And then one person starts in this mob, and then it fuels another person, and before you know it, everybody's yelling and screaming and saying things that you're like, I can't believe I'm even saying this. But you just get caught up in this moment. Kind of in a way, picking up a crown of thorns in the tattered robe and you're putting on that referee or that coach. The internet. It's, pretty, it's really easy to join those mobs. You just hit that like button. Just hit that retweet button. Hit that love button. And you don't, no, some of those things are like just mocking somebody, placing a crown of thorns on them. And you don't even think, you don't even know the person that maybe is the one that's being retweeted about how much it might hurt them. Maybe you've been that person that's been mocked. So you know what it's like to have that crown of thorns, that crown of shame, crown of scorn, crown of mockery put on you. But this is a verse I brought up a few weeks ago. Remember 2 Corinthians 5.20? This one says, remember that? It says, so we are Christ's ambassadors. So as Christ's ambassadors, does, it, does picking up this thorn, this crown of thorns, and putting it on somebody's head, placing it on somebody, maybe mocking them, beating them down, is that something an ambassador should do? or would do, especially if you're an ambassador for Christ. Joining them up, bringing hurt and pain to anyone that got in the path of this mob. Now, Jesus told us something about these mobs. What's going to happen at the end? I'm going to read this to you, and you're gonna, some of you are going to remember this. Matthew 25, 31 through 46. There's going to be two mobs at the end here. Now, listen closely what happens to these mobs. When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, <clears throat> he will sit on his glorious thorn, throne. All the nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate the people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. 
Then the king will say to those on his right, Come you who are blessed by my father, take your inheritance. The king have prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you looked after me. I was in prison, and you came to visit me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you? Or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in? Or needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go to visit you? The king will reply, Truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. Then he will say to those on his left, Depart from me, you who are cursed, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger, and you did not invite me in. I needed clothes, and you did not clothe me. I was sick and in prison, and you did not look after me. They will, also, they will also answer, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or needing clothes or sick or in prison and did not help you? He will reply, truly I tell you, whatever you did not do for one of the least of these, you did not do for me. Then they will go away to eternal punishment, but the righteous to eternal life. So when we see people that are hungry, thirsty, strangers, just people in need, when we see people in prison or see people in need of the love that Jesus gave us or others have given, up, given us, when we see that, but we just ignore them. We just ignore it. Aren't we kind of like being that mob of soldiers, maybe placing this crown of thorns on Jesus, joining a mob, just ignoring Ignoring these people. Ah, we don't, we don't want to be around those people. But that's the kind of love that Jesus has to wear this crown of thorns, to take this mocking, to take this beating. He has the power to do whatever he wants. He's, he's the son of God. He's God. He could call down a legion of angels, but yet he took it. Took it for us. And as ambassadors of Christ... Maybe we should be willing to be on the other side of the mob, to stand up, to maybe be there with Jesus, to take this crown of thorns and maybe place it on our head as this ambassador for Christ. So here's the question we ask to ask. Where are we standing? Where are we standing? Are we standing with the mob? Or are we standing with Jesus? probably maybe on our knees with Jesus. Are we placing this crown of thorns on the head of Jesus ourselves? Are we doing it ourselves? Like what we do with our lives and what we do to others, are we doing basically putting a crown of thorn on Jesus, spitting on him, beating him, mocking him, becoming part of that crowd, becoming part of that mob, and just really just deserting Jesus? Or are we there with Jesus? Are we there right by him? Maybe we have that crown of thorns placed on our head too. That we're spit on. That we're beaten. That we're mocked. That we're standing within Jesus, just enduring whatever life has for us. But we're never giving up hope. 
we're knowing that, remember what I just read in Matthew? Knowing that that's the group that's going to be considered sheep. Remember what happens to them at the end? They're called righteous. And they have eternal life. And over the past few years, especially lately, last two weeks to five years, there's been a lot of mobs, hasn't there? A whole bunch of mobs. Mobs that they don't have the same values as Christ followers have. We don't, I don't share the same values as, as, as they have with Jesus. But you know what? There's been mobs on the other side too. There's been mobs that, are follow, that say they're following Jesus, but I, they don't look like they're demonstrating ambassadors of Jesus to me by their actions. It doesn't seem that... So I said mobs on both sides. But frankly, I, let me give you this verse out of 1 Corinthians 16, 13 through 14. The mobs that I don't think demonstrate this. Be on your guard. Stand firm in faith. Be courageous. Be strong. And do everything in love. Isn't that kind of the key to this whole verse? The key to a lot of this whole, this, what I'm talking about? Do everything in love. Because I've not watched those mobs be either, either side. A lot of them don't do everything in love. Some of them don't do very anything in love. Love, like Jesus had wearing this crown of thorns, taking this crown of thorns for his love for us. Spit on, beaten, mocked, ultimately crucified on the cross to demonstrate his love for us. These mobs... We watch, we see, we read about. What's the common thing? Like they want their own way. They're, I think they're thinking about themselves. They're not really thinking about what others want. Then they get worked up into this frenzy. And love just gets thrown away. That goes out the window. And if you don't know it, there's mobs forming right now as we speak. Both sides. They've, they've been forming for a few weeks. And maybe tomorrow, it might be in a few weeks, or it might even be tomorrow, if you don't know this. But tomorrow, we might get to see exactly what I'm talking about, these mobs and their actions, and if they're going to demonstrate in love. Because there's a decision that's coming. And I'm hearing little whispers. I think you know what I'm talking about. There's a decision that the Supreme Court's going to make about Roe versus Wade, and it's coming. And I heard yesterday, it might be tomorrow. It's a pretty decisive decision, isn't it? And you know that's going to create some mobs, both sides. And I'm not going to, I'm not here, we're not going to talk about that. I'm not going to debate this. This isn't the time, this isn't the place. Now I'm going to say, many, just agree with many of you, like I believe that life, begins at conception. But I also, I firmly, firmly, firmly believe in what I just said, that we're to love one another. And I don't care what side you're on. And I don't care what your experiences are in life, decisions you have made. I am going to love you either way. Just like what we read about in 1 Corinthians 16, do everything in love. 
But where are you going to stand? I'm not really talking about the Supreme Court decision. I'm not necessarily talking about the mob. Because where are you going to stand? Because are you going to participate in these mobs? Standing with the mobs? Or are you going to stand there as an ambassador for Christ with Jesus? Knowing that you might be beaten. You might be spit on. You might be mocked. You might be crowned with this crown of thorns. But you're doing everything in love. Now imagine most of you are going to say, I'm going to stand with Jesus. But like I said, knowing if you're going to stand with Jesus, you've got to be willing to be spit on, to be beaten, to be mocked. Wear a crown of thorns. Being firm in your faith. Being courageous. Being strong. And doing everything in love. Now this crown of thorns, when they put this on Jesus' head, this was meant to be a, for scorn, for shame. This was to mock Jesus, mock this king of the Jews. But this crown of thorns, this, this represents Jesus, doesn't it? Like we recognize this, and when we see this, we think of Jesus, the, the king, our king Jesus. The king that... He wore this crown to demonstrate his love for us. So is this a crown of love? Perhaps. A crown of love for one another. That as ambassadors we share, we share it with this crown if we stand with Jesus. Let's pray.